0: hedonists They seek pleasure in like pure pleasure, like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. The problem with that is it reaches a pinnacle where it no longer brings you happiness. It actually does the inverse, right? If you party too much, eventually you don't want to party anymore. All right, welcome to today's show. I'm here in London last day. Look at that herring going by. I'm uh, headed back to the U.S. And uh, one little... Good daily routine tip for everybody. Try to walk at least 20 minutes a day. Go out in nature. This is a pond in Hyde Park here, but uh, get a lot more done in terms of creativity-wise if you have some kind of routine around how you come up with ideas, new ideas and stuff. Because life is hectic in the modern world. Most people not thinking about anything. It's like Alan Nation, my first mentor, used to say, you have to think, you have to be uh, thinking on the business, not in the business. It's the same with life. You can't just be in your life, because if you're in your life, you're too caught up. You have to be able to step back and like think about your life from a macro high-level picture. But that's not even what I was going to talk about today. Just a little thought, a little side note. I get my best ideas walking or... Um, in the shower, actually even better in the shower for some reason or swimming, but around water is good. So I'm walking around this Hyde park, London. What's it called? The name of it? It's called serpentine pond or lake or something. Anyway, uh, what I wanted to talk about was I was looking through my notes from some of my conversations with mentors in the past. And, uh, just talking about psychology. Psychology is really, if you could be good at one thing in life, you want to be good at psychology, even more than business, because most of business is actually psychology, especially at high level. It's not about whether you, all the other stuff you can learn relatively easily and relatively quickly, like how to start a business, track, marketing, analytics, social media. Those are all like hands-on teachable skills that are more, more science than art. Whereas psychology and reading people, people are complex. My friends, a PhD in neuroscience. He says we know more about space than we know about the space between humans' ears, the brain. Brain's still very uncharted, undiscovered. Psychology just or reading people slash psychology. I consider them basically the same thing. What psychologists try to do is read people. What good business people try to do is read people for your social life, dating, friends, family, all that. That's all about reading people because it's about selection. So I thought I would go, I was just looking back at some of my notes with Dr. David Buss, one of the preeminent psychology, evolutionary psychologists in the world. And I'm lucky to be able to call him a personal friend and mentor, and he's taught me a lot of stuff. In many ways, more things, well, for sure, more than anybody's ever taught me about people and reading people, so. Why, first thing you got to understand, big picture, is the most important principle of humanity is that there's this thing called variance. And variance basically means um, variety, okay? I know that doesn't sound very profound, but it is profound. That's pretty much what Charles Darwin discovered in the 1800s. They call it natural selection. Some people call it evolution. Whether you fully believe in evolution or not. I know some people are more religious, they don't buy into it at all, or totally, but listen to me, think of it this way. You go to a birthday party, there's 100 people at the party. Let's say you just had a chance, let's say it was your birthday party, so you have a chance to meet all 100 people. So you're meeting them. Will you have variance or variety in who you get along with best? Or do you get along with everybody exactly equally? And the obvious answer is, some people you just connect with better, okay? So, that's variance happening right there. If you look in a room of people, even of the same background, the same ethnicity, the same gender, the same socioeconomic background, you're going to find wide variance. You're going to find people, muscular, people who are, they used to call it endomorph, ectomorph, mesomorph. You know, endomorphs are like big, kind of stocky people. Um... And ectomorphs are naturally really skinny, like Conan O'Brien kind of people. And then mesomorphs are in between. I'm a mesomorph. So that's variance there. Now, what does this matter? Why is it important? Well, believe it or not, this is like the most important thing you can ever understand. Because once you understand there's variance, the world starts to make sense. Now, of course, this is just the very beginner, like first grade level understanding of how to read people. And by the way, if you can read people, you'll make twice as much money as if you can't. (laughs) Not everybody's going to make a million or a billion dollars or whatever, but you can make double your natural potential if you know how to read people, what I'm talking about. Because what happens is you'll know how to read your boss. Or if you start your own business, you'll know how to read your customers. You'll know how to do marketing correctly because you'll understand before you launch whether they're going to buy it or not. That's all a factor of reading people or reading ducks and geese here. Um, Sigmund Freud, the founder of Modern Psychology, said... If you ask people, or the question that's been asked the most is, what is the purpose of life? This is in my favorite book called Civilization and Its Discontents by Sigmund Freud. Probably one of the greatest books ever written, even though it's somewhat outdated. He's still a genius of like epic proportions. Some people go, oh, isn't Darwin outdated? I'm like, have you ever read it? I mean, not Freud outdated? I'm like, I'll no, read it. You'll see what I'm talking about. Especially it's like the second or third chapter. So he says, look, this question's been asked time without end and nobody's had a good answer possibly because there is no answer it's hard to answer what is the purpose of life you can have a spiritual definition you can have a agnostic definition you can have a nihilistic definition there's like a million things you can say oh life doesn't matter or we exist to go to heaven or we exist to help people we exist to find love and families i remember when i was a little kid i asked my mom what's the purpose of life she said to Get married, have a family, pass on, you know, your legacy. But I said, but that doesn't make sense because even at five, I understood that's like a rat race. That can't be the only purpose because the purpose for you is to give birth to more people whose purpose is to give birth to more people. It's somewhat circular logic, right? You have to have some kind of external reason for stuff. Anyway, that was like saying the reason to play basketball is so that you get to play the next game. That's not the reason to play basketball. There's different reasons. Well, Some people play for the money. Some people play it for the fame. Some people play it for exercise. You know, some people play it to win championships. So, anyway, um, this psychologist, Sigma Freud, it says, I, I don't know the answer. But what I can tell you is two things. People want to be happy for one thing. And by doing that, they do two things. They... Seek intense pleasure and they avoid pain. Okay, so that's, there's like foundational, again, sounds simple, but it's complex. Because then how many, how do people find pleasure and avoid pain? Well, he goes through, there's about seven to 10 major categories of way people. Some people like uh, hedonists, they seek pleasure in like pure pleasure, like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. He said the problem with that is it reaches a pinnacle where it no longer brings you happiness. It actually does the inverse, right? If you party too much, eventually you don't want to party anymore.
1: Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Facebook. You know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks also in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow through day concept. (laughs) One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually
0: been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility
1: performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: They actually did a thought experiment called the hedonic machine, which is... Basically, If you could have an orgasm 24-7, would you want to? If you could go in a machine? And the answer is no, you wouldn't want to because eventually it stops feeling good. It just feels like normal. Then other people try to avoid pain and seek pleasure by avoiding people. That's like a monk someone who goes to bed or somebody who withdraws or says, I never want to date anyone because dating or romance just brings heartache. So they withdraw. And he said the problem with that is I mean, the, the good thing of that is you remove people from the equation, and most pain comes from people. It comes from na- Mother Nature, like a tornado. This is where pain comes from. Mother Nature, number two is aging, natural. Not just aging, but the natural entropy. He calls it the death and dissolution of your body, basically. From the day you're born, you're getting less healthy. And you're increasing the chance you get hit by a car or something like that. And then he said the third one, which is most likely to cause the most pain... Is other people so you could withdraw from people, but then you lose the pleasure of being around people. And some people seek chemicals, and some people seek art, and some people seek money, and all these things. But each none of them work completely well, or else everybody would be happy. So we go back to this concept of variance. Variance means, and there's different kinds of theories on this. Scientists have lots of different theories why there's different personality types, why there's different variety in humans. Some is called genetic noise, that's one theory. Genetic noise means there's no real reason for variety. variety it's just like, abnormal not abnormalities, but it's just how DNA works, man and woman give birth to a child, there's some just genetic variability for no reason, just because of the mixing of the two gene pools, right? Humans have sexual reproduction. Some plants like ferns. My grandpa was a scientist. He collected ferns. He's like, Ty, ferns don't need male and female. They have, you know, asexual, they have spores. But humans, we have variety partly because of genetic noise. That's one theory. I'm not going to go through all the theories because there's a lot and each of them have valid points, but the one that fascinates me the most is called frequency-dependent selection. So, this is why the world will never have 100% psychopaths, um, or you see this big debate about, you know, homo- homosexuality, and people on both sides arguing. And religious people say, "Well, if we start allowing gay people in the schools, you know, this is their argument." It's not a good one, but it's because people don't understand genetic. Um, They don't understand frequency-dependent selection, which means, so they go, oh, well, if if we start letting gay people, they'll influence our kids, and then all our boys will become gay. Well, that's not going to happen, because uh, frequency-dependent selection and some various similar theories basically say, what happens is you have a group, and here's the easier way to think about it. Well, you could use being gay. You couldn't have 100% of the population ever go gay because if all men became gay, the human species, there'd be no reproduction. I mean, you could do it through, you know, in a laboratory. But you get my point, right? So it's not a fear you need to have. It's not a good argument. Um, Another example that I would, let's take dating. Some girls, I say, have the hunter's eye and men too, but I'm a guy, so I date women. Um, So I'll talk about my experience. Some women have the hunter's eye. The hunter's eye basically means they like variety. They like the thrill of the chase. Um, Society doesn't always let people express this, but this is just how it is. And then you have other women who have the more one at a time approach, like monogamy. They they don't like variety, right? And both of those are valid. Those both work, right? They both work and but you'll never get too many of you'll never have a hundred percent of women liking variety and non-monogamy because if that happened, they would start being out reproduced by women who were more monogamous. So what would happen? Let's just say there was a hundred women. If all women except one, right? begin to, and this is oversimplification, but this is what happens over thousands of years and many generations. If all women are just sleeping around with lots of different guys, then one woman who takes a different uh, strategy, her genes kind of push her in a different direction to be more settled, probably has more oxytocin, more of these settling drugs in the body, natural drugs, hormones they call them, um, versus dopamine, the girls who are dopamine thrill seekers, So 99 women, they start sleeping with the other 100 men a lot. But one woman says, no, I want to focus on one guy. Well, because that group is all one way pretty much, her different approach, okay, her different take on it gives her a strategic advantage. She gets to focus on her children more. She knows where her children come from. The dad's more likely to invest if he knows it's his children, Men are not as likely to invest in a woman if they're not sure the kid is hers. And now we have DNA testing. But a long time ago, you didn't know. So if a man perceives a woman as super promiscuous and that baby comes out and he's blonde hair and that baby comes out with dark hair, he might be like, oh, I wonder if my if this woman was sleeping around. So he'll invest less. And two parents investing in a kid is more likely to have a successful, healthy child, especially in the 1800s, let's say, when – or you know, 1700s or 1200s, because it, it's hard to raise a kid. So two is better than one in general. So that woman would start out producing the woman with one. Her kids would live longer, healthier. So those kids live longer, healthier, right? So her children would live to a ripe old age, reproduce more, have more kids. And since your approach to dating is somewhat genetic, Meaning, if a woman is more monogamous, she's more likely to have monogamous children. Not 100%, but more likely. So now that the pool, instead of being 99% promiscuous, and one monogamous woman starts to fill up the other way. But if it goes too much the other way, and there's 99 monogamous women and one promiscuous, that promiscuous woman starts to have an advantage, right? Because, so she starts sleeping around with lots of guys, maybe better quality guys, because sometimes better quality guys want don't wanna just settle with one girl. So she gets genes for like a stronger kid, and because she's kind of the only promiscuous one in the group, guys are less confused. The man who's actually the father of the child is pretty sure he's the father, let's say, because there's less promiscuity going on. So he focuses more on the kid, and that kid grows healthier, and now promiscu- promiscu- uh, promiscuous women start to rise in the population. And so that's frequency dependent. And this applies to everything. Business skills, psychopaths, anger, people who are extroverts, people who are introverts. This is a genetic condition. And frequency dependent means as it gets more frequent in the population, it starts to change. And that's why what I was originally starting this whole talk on was I was just thinking like I was thinking about Tinder. My buddy's always on Tinder. And Tinder... You're going to be more, any dating site in the world, this has actually been proven over and over, you're more likely, but not necessarily all, but you're more likely to find promiscuous women. Not, And some guys go on there specifically for that reason. Women who are monogamous oftentimes are off the market. That's what Dr. Bus used to tell me. They're off the market. They're getting a relationship in college and they stay in it for, even if they don't marry the guy, they stay in for long periods of time, so they're off the market. And this has been proven literally up, 10 different studies empirically that dating, and it's just kind of common sense, dating sites on average, not all, are going to attract more promiscuous people. Same with nightclubs. You go to a nightclub, you're going to meet more of a nightclub kind of person. And this, I'm just talking about women. It applies with men and women. And once again, it's frequency dependent. If all men were completely promiscuous, then the monogamous guys would start to have an advantage in the population. Their genes would start to spread they're more likely to have monogamous boys and so what happens in society is it ends up kind of balancing over time and you end up with the world we have now which is about one to five percent of people are insane psychopaths but they'll never get higher in that i'm not sure what the numbers of people who are let's say gay i think it's about the same uh not i'm not saying by the way that gays are anywhere related to psychopaths i'm just saying I know it comes off weird, but I want to clarify that. I'm just saying it's about that way. It's the same like black people with blue eyes. I know a girl, Jasmine Sanders. Um, She has blue eyes and she's black. It's pretty rare. It's less than 1% of the population. And I don't know the complete, I don't understand completely the blue eye frequency dependent. That might be one of those genetic noise, you know, that I was talking about earlier. That there's no there's no frequency dependent um, explanation for it. There's no like survival, like black girls with blue eyes or black people with blue eyes live longer. So you get these population where has small amount of people. Small amount of people are like midgets and small amount of people are seven foot tall. That's because again, the, if you had too many people who were seven foot tall, they would start, because people who are super tall tend to have more health problems, frequency dependency, You'll start to have more young people. And so it goes on and on and on um, where you have this balance in society. You have a balance of... And that's why I say people freak out too much, you know? Parents freak out about their kid. You're going to have one kid who's more extroverted, one who's more introverted. You're going to have one daughter and one son who's probably more of a pleasure seeker and one who's more conservative slash monogamous. And you're going to have one who's more angry and one who's kind and and it just the whole world you get more likely you can if you have 20 kids you're more likely to have one uh, or that's gay and so people freak out a lot about life they meet a psychopath they go on a date with a psychopath they marry a psychopath they go the whole world sucks and I'm like no this is just the way the game of our genes work and you got to learn the rules of the game. Because you can't win if you don't know the rules of the game. And a lot of people don't win at life because they don't know the rules. You want to be good at basketball? Learn the rules. You want to be good at scrabble, soccer, football? Like, (laughs) know the rules. And don't be afraid of the rules. It's just how it is. And these are the rules of life. So what you have to do, the practical takeaway, one, you have to get good at reading people. And it's not just 100% genetics. There's always, obviously... Behavioral and environmental factors Child, you know, upbringing Culture Genetics is a big part If you don't believe me uh, Look at how people look They look like their parents <laughs> That's <laughs> genetics And if you don't think personality passes on And you only think looks pass on You know nothing about science Really, it's a sad thing People will people be like, yeah, I don't believe that I'm like, uh, do you look Are you about the same height? as your parents combined together, or somebody close to them? Yeah, do you have about the same hair color? In general, yes. Um, Eye color, yes. These are all highly what they call heritable factors and personality is highly heritable. Things like pleasure seeking, things like self-control, things like anger, things like monogamy, promiscuity, things like a likelihood to divorce, and all these other things that we haven't even found yet will eventually be proven. A crazy amount of things are gonna be genetic. Anybody with any common sense will understand it. Now, you can mess with your genetics by having a lot of trauma in your upbringing. But in general, without trauma, things play out somewhat like genetics say. And um, yeah, but you have to be careful not to clap. People make a mistake and they go, oh, all black people are gonna act a certain way. No, black people is not a one gene pool. There's an insane amount of variety in every race. There's probably more variety between people within races than there is between races. That's why racism, scientifically, was always wrong. It's not like that. It's not. Skin color is, a, is heritable, by the way. If you have a lot of melanin, um, you're more likely to inherit that almost always. That's very heritable, but it doesn't. it's not a behavioral thing. You might inherit crazy things from somebody with a lot of melanin or not a lot of melanin, but it's not the melanin that's the factor that's correlated, it's not causative, you know? So, number one, you learn to read people. Number two, then just hang out with the ones that you naturally get along with. I know that sounds so simple, but common sense is no longer common. People do not do this, really. Like, marry a person that has the genetic and behavioral uh, makeup that you get along with. Most people don't do that. They just randomly go, oh, I went on a date with this person. I, We kind of click. I mean, people kind of do it subconsciously, but it's too complicated in the modern world because there's a lot of trickery going on, whether it be, you know, you don't see people's family because their family is a thousand miles away. It's, it's not that simple anymore. So get good at this. Read people and then just only fill up your bubble with the people who match your personality type, your behavioral type. doesn't mean that should be the same as you. For example, oftentimes introverts and extroverts, in my experience, get along the best. Two extroverts together, not always as good as people think. Same with two introverts, they never leave the house. So, anyway, leave a comment. What are you? What's your behavioral type? Are you a pleasure seeker, dopamine? Are you uh, focused on one person, stay at home, oxytocin? Are you introvert, extrovert? Leave a little comment and uh, talk to you soon. Hopefully I'll be on a plane to US tomorrow. all things work out.
1: Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks also in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow through day concept.
0: One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good.
1: Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.